Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California, at the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee. All right. How's it going, sir? Hello, Gabe. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? You know, hanging in there. I'm, uh, well, I think you had your four days, right? Thanksgiving break? Yes. So that was nice. It was nice. I think it's hard. Uh, it's not as hard, I think, especially if you've rested. Arrested? Arrested and uh, recharged and, you know, maybe slept in one of these days, those four days, one of those four days and get back to work. Yeah. Saturday was nice. Uh, I did mostly nothing and just listened to music. Hmm. You sound like a teenager. Yeah. But f- Friday I did a lot of cleaning. You sound like an adult. Yeah. I had to clean my room, so to speak. Clean, what is it? Set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Yes, sir. So now that you have cleaned your room, you're ready to criticize the world. I'm ready to judge. All right. So let's do it. (laughs) So yeah, we discussed before getting started, we wanted to go over and see how much we can get accomplished with this idea of obedience of faith. Mm Mm-hmm. What it looks like, how it's referenced in scripture and what it means to our our lives and in relationship to. And I think something that we discussed on Sunday that I think provides good overall context, which we've been discussing with Genesis and the creation and the way God created, you know, the heavens and the earth and, and the animals and separated the firmament and the waters and all these different elements and the art the garden of eden and then adam and then subsequently eve so the way eliseo just was describing this phenomenon i guess or this development is what he would describe as did you hear that hmm. was that me or you that was totally me okay I just, cool i just chow down on some peanuts here <laughs> so the way he described it was, and I, I see how it makes sense, and maybe, it, and and the, this was based on Sunny's discussion, but perhaps it helps us here. The way he described it was, there is God's design. So God's design means our. It's like it's like, God created a game, and there are certain rules parameters. You know, there's, if you will, like gravity and there's gravitational pull and there's the sun and the earth and everything's time. There's time and space. We're operating within the configurations of how earth and the way our earthly bodies are operating within the elements and and so on and so forth. He didn't say all that, but just to give more information to provide better context and the way God's design works is that if we are in obedience to God's design and we are, you know, operating within that, those parameters, those parameters, the choices we make, they're still going to be suffering. So an example from Sunday's discussion is the idea around, um, sex essentially. So do you have abstinence 
to you participate in what, what is called in the scripture fornication, sex before marriage, and you know both have elements of suffering. So if you abstain from, obviously that's gonna not be easy because of you know culture and different elements of hormones and what have you, depending on you know either you're male or female if you still believe that, and then you have let's say fornication and you were, we were just talking earlier right about family dynamic the, uh, the the family dynamic and you know if people get divorced or if they have kids out of marriage and then a parent passes away and then there's this you know stepfather involved but not really and then you know there's complications or you know you can have countless stories about these circumstances and you know that that leads to suffering as well and Monica and I were talking about afterwards and I said God's design and operating in God's design it's true like there's going to be suffering because I think that's the whole point of the life of Jesus Christ still suffered died on the cross the other side of it is when you don't what happens is that you're living in Satan's design but what that creates is is an environment where you're yeah you're you're doing what you think feels good at the moment but then what happens is that it produces fear and anxiety and the extra baggage that goes along with all that rather than where God's living God's design creates a feeling of peace that passes understanding and all these other elements that we know when living out in God's design which I think hopefully helps kind of lead us into the discussion around obedience of faith Hopefully that made sense. Ask me any questions or clarification, but that's kind of the general idea. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me, um, especially especially from the aspect of the steps of the righteous man are ordered. So you can kind of look at it in that frame of mind. You're saying there's things that God has instituted or God has ordained. Mm-hmm. And... So within that frame of mind, there's boundaries. And the reason why there's boundaries, it's because, like you're saying, it's to avoid it's to avoid an extension of suffering. Because like you said, we're going to suffer either way. It, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Um, but in essence, when we, when we forego wisdom, when we forego understanding... And we decide to lean on our own understanding, right? Like it says in mm-hmm. Proverbs, and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So, so I just look at it in essence, we're forfeiting God's, like you're saying, God's institutions. We're, for, we're forfeiting God's intent, tension, God's design when we go about life as a means to, well, I, I think I have this figured out. You know, there's there's countless I mean, just look at think of it think of it this way. There's there's so much wisdom to be gained even from even from the aspect of even from the aspect of, of uh parents, the aspect of maybe you had a mentor, teachers, you know, older friends, older family members there's always that element of wisdom that's around us that we can glean from whether or not 
they're a believe they're a believer or not, but it is possible for them to have a semblance of truth or or an aspect of uh, authority. I guess that's another way to put it too. But uh, yeah, I think because we're all guilt, we're all guilty of that at some point or another in our lives where we take matters into our own hands and and we hope for the best you know we don't we don't care to share our thoughts our emotions our plans our goals with people that have already done there been there done that and i think when we do that we're engaging in foolishness rather than abiding in wisdom abiding in truth and allowing like i said allowing us to actually to actually partake of somebody else's experience because i think uh, i'm going to say proverbs that the i'm going to botch it but it says something to the effect of the foolish man learns from his own mistakes but the wise man learns from the mistakes of others yeah i think yeah Sounds familiar. I, I, I'm not watching through that. It, like maybe a month ago, sounds about right. Yeah. Or rather, I listened to that one. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and I think what you've been saying this whole time is, well, these last few minutes is that. In a way, we're not capable. On our own. Because well, look at it. Let's look at it this way. Yeah, this is all. This has all been done before already, right? Because if you if you look at um, in some aspects of anthropology, mm-hmm. and how there's there's been this constant story that's been told throughout time, throughout culture, throughout peoples, throughout tribes there's certain structures that are are universal, I guess, in a, in a way that this is the way it's always been. And for not a hundred percent of the time, but for a good amount of time for good, uh, as, as many as these uh, probabilities that have taken place, they've resulted in, in good things or they've resulted in things that have things that have designed society, things that have brought upon, I don't want to say like societal norms, but for example, the aspect of a family, like we were just talking about the family. So within that family structure, there's a, there's a mother, there's a father, children, and then there's a certain, expectation of those roles that's that's universal or that's understood I should say even even within the roles of children and how and the cycle the psychological aspects of you know the oldest child is usually the one that is has the most responsibilities or it's usually the one that that's the child that all the trial and error so to speak has happened to the oldest child the oldest child has seen you know probably more aspects of their parents than the other younger children have for one reason or you know or another 
So I think when when we when we neglect history or we neglect our own family history, family dynamics, yeah, I think that's when we run into problems more so than not. And that obviously there are, you know, conversations around um, norms around responsibilities or roles within the family. Which can change. Which absolutely yeah. need to change right. for there to be any, you know, survival through trials and tribulations and financial right. situations, you know, newborn, you know, bringing a child into the home, you know, different things like that. So obviously nothing's set in stone. Nothing's going to be stagnant. It's all very much dynamic. These relationships are dynamic the roles the responsibilities all that changes and obviously you know as we continue updating the system and updating ourselves we you know maybe men are more involved with cooking or washing dishes or you know things that were typically seen as you know woman womanly duties or female duties or the the responsibility of the wife you know and and on top of that you know you know women being more dominant not dominant but more independent a, a higher representation of women in the workforce I think that's how you can say it you get it right yeah so as that happens obviously things change when it comes to marriages let's say specifically where you then talk about finances and you talk about you know what steps are going to be taken to purchase a home or purchase a car or bring again create a family or where you're gonna spend your holidays since we just went through Thanksgiving or you know what what's gonna what what is it gonna take to make this relationship to work this marriage to work the long term because obviously the hope is is that you've you know written written it all in stone and this is the person till death you do you part in a in a perfect world if you will in, in the most ideal situation that happens. Of course, it's not always the case. So obviously all that plays a part in all this. And when you start there, I think what you start to see is that being played out across multiple families. Then you're starting to see a community. And then you have multiple city uh, communities and you're starting to see maybe like a, a, a state, you know, and then you start to see that played out. Then you're starting to see a country. So, you know, at every level, you, you always start at the family, but even before that, you start at the individual. And it's how that individual lives out their life that affects those dynamics and those relationships and then begins to kind of go out from there essentially with that being said I think when operating in obedience to faith the hope there is we're able to like you said there's so much wisdom based on others living out their lives from generation to generation, our family or, or, or 
different cultures or states or countries, you know, they've all lived lives and they've all struggled and, and dealt with maybe very similar circumstances. And I think that's the reason why these stories in the Bible are so relevant and tell it in a way that's more blunt and more direct in a way. And it gets down to the heart of the matter. And on top of that, I think what's really helped me is looking at Jung and and understanding archetypes and understanding storytelling that it, how it is that we can talk about Cain and Abel in a story what are the the morals what are the lessons learned within that and taking what is talked about and obviously there's so much depth and there's so much richness in these stories I think that's what's so interesting about how we can incorporate these truths I think that's what's been so fascinating for me and and enlightening and fulfilling you know when we think about what is it that brings us meaning and purpose I think it's deciding to do what's hard because what you're trying to produce is or what you're trying to what was that? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it's a, the church across the street. What are you hearing voices now? Someone's on a bullhorn. But yeah, my point there is that basically, you know, we're we can start to live out a different life. And I think that's what's in a life that has, like I mentioned, meaning and purpose, and it has that peace that passes understanding, and it has no fear. You're, you're no longer operating in fear. Rather, you're operating in love, let's say. Was it... Who was it that said that in order to do something... In order to do something, I'm going to botch it, or maybe it's backwards, but in order to do something meaningful, it has to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Yeah. I know Peterson said, said it. it like, everything worth doing. Wait, what? Why am I forgetting now? But everything worth doing is, is if anything's worth doing, it's going to be difficult. Kind of like right, that. Something like that. Yeah. But, but in, in terms of, uh, because if it was easy, and why it, even every, do it? And everybody would do it. Yeah. And, and it would lose its meaning. And it would lose its meaning. Right. So from that aspect, I, I just think of, um, for example, setting a goal or setting setting up. Uh, yeah, I guess goal is the best way to put it. But when we set up goals or when we make goals and... We set out a, vi- a vision for our life. A vision, you could say. But once we do that, you're doing things with purpose. Like if you're, let's say, for example, you're you're trying to lose weight. So a meaningful approach to that would be to have a schedule, right? Perhaps that might include meeting with a trainer. That might include joining 
some kind of a class and that might include a change of diet right so that's a very it's a very uh it's a very involved approach versus i just want to lose weight and there's no further thought into into that idea right there's no planning there's no change of diet there's no there's no thought put into it other than just the idea so well, i mean we could definitely talk from experience when we decided to do this yeah we met a few times we laid out logistics and figure out what were the details and wanted to be as precise in and our reasons and our yeah our, our purpose behind it and it took about a month right I think it was for us to really start to hit the record button yeah it was a lot of discussion involved a lot of planning and even when we hit the record button it still didn't it's at least in my opinion it still doesn't look the same Mm. I mean, we still, we we got two mics. <laughs> it's still yeah, it's still becoming its own thing that's coming to life. So content, everything, yeah, audience. We'll see if we get that. Yeah, but yeah, <coughs> it's true, right? I, I I like how you said it too. In in that when setting a goal, you're doing it with purpose. Right. You can decide to do it with purpose. Or you can just say, I have this goal and then hope it works out and have no plan of action. Right. That that brings me to uh, Coach John Wooden. I don't know if you've ever heard his, any of his quotes. He was the coach for the UCLA basketball team back in the day. But one of his quotes is, uh, I forget what they call him, but they, they said... Uh, I don't know. Is it an idiom? It's a saying that he has. Anyways, he would say, failing to plan is planning to fail. Hmm. Yeah. So. Failing. Failing to plan. Is planning to fail. Is planning to fail. So simple. Yeah. I mean, you could take that anywhere and. And, and it'll apply. I mean, you can't just always be off the cuff or, you know. What is it called? The spur of the moment? Spur of the moment. Improv- improvisation. Yep. No. Improv. And I mean, there's definitely some value in that, I think. Mm-hmm. Being open to these opportunities for spon- spontane- Spon- spontaneity. Yeah. Is that the right word? I think so. All right. Someone let me know. Spontaneity. Spontaneity. Sounds right. Right? I think there's... But it, it, it runs itself out at a certain point. Especially mm. when we think about routine and developing discipline and mm. deciding that, you know what? Every time I'm spontaneous, I got to buy fast food and whatever the case may be and you can't you know like you said if you're trying to lose weight it's not going to work out like you got to 
have a good diet. You got to go to the gym. You got to be disciplined enough to decide not to. And even, yeah, and even in that, even in that aspect, I know, like John Wooden would say too, that in order to really enjoy, wait, no, sorry. In order to get to the goal, you have to enjoy the journey. Mm. So sometimes, you know, it's the learning process where understanding comes in. It's the learning process. As you say, discipline comes in where the point of this whole, this whole thing was, for example, losing weight. The whole point was, let's say the goal in mind was losing 20 pounds or whatever it was. Yours is coming up. Yeah. (laughs) New Year's resolutions. So that was, so for example, that was the goal in mind. But the actual process of, like you said, going to the gym three times a week and discovering perhaps in in your change of diet, you discovered new foods. You discovered, you know, something that you didn't you didn't necessarily like before or try before. And now because of this diet, new information is new information is being presented to you. And not only that, you know, there's there's benefits to to eating a healthier diet. You're, you're gonna your health, your sleeping is gonna improve, right? You're gonna have mental health. Mental health. You're gonna have more energy. And with the with the discipline comes in, as you say, perhaps a routine. But with that as well, is you're creating a schedule mm-hmm. where you're you're allowing yourself to. To organize life a little bit easier, because if you have to meet meet up meet up with somebody or go to some event, you can go around based around your your schedule for going to the gym or what have you. Do you ever feel like this feeling of like life's out of control if you're not able to do what you want to do, and when and how and you're tapping into my procrastination side of things. Mm. So you're the way I'm the way I'm hearing you is yeah, if there's something that I know needs to get done and I'm not taking care of it and I'm trying to move on to something else, yeah, I'm I'm not going to be at peace because I know that that part wasn't done yet. So there's that, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, maybe for you, I don't know is my goal is to read a book a month. That's so hard. <laughs> I just finished Man and His Symbols, Carl Jung. Recommend it. Pick it up in your local bookstores. Not Amazon because they're killing their employees, but... <laughs> they're killing the trees in Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that's the reason why the fire is in Brazil. Literally. <laughs> so, my goal is to read 10 pages a day. Mm-hmm. It is so hard for me to think about anything else but to get that done. So when Monica tries to talk to me or whatever the case is, right, wants me to pay attention and she needs you to be her husband. Yep. Needs me to do what I'm signed up, <laughs> what I had signed up to do. It's very, very frustrating because I want to finish the book and I'm like obsessive about it uh-huh. or YouTube. I want to finish like 
you know, at the top of the hour, or the bottom of the hour, or at one of the 15s, the fives, either a 45 or a 15. The five minute marks. Like I want to finish and say, okay, I'm going to get to this point and then I'm done. Like I'll give you your time. Mm-hmm. So like even in that, I'm like regimented. It's definitely, yeah, I was going to say it's definitely runs counter counterculture to how we have things right now. I, I was I was just finishing up uh, The Mandalorian. What do you think? Baby Yoda. Baby. <laughs> B-Y. Yeah, no, so so far so good. I, I like it. I, I think. It's, Star Wars is your thing, right? And yeah, Lord but, of the Rings. Uh, yeah, I mean, mostly Star Wars, but at this point, it's all... All the Disney Star Wars stuff, it has to be unrelated to the Skywalkers. So far, so far, the Mandalorian's good. So far, Rogue One has been good. So you guys have Disney Plus? I have it. Okay. I have it through through certain means, but mm-hmm. yes, we won't we won't discuss this in detail. <laughs> no, it's legit. It's just yeah. But um, what was I saying? Yeah. So the way we have, inter- I guess, entertainment or uh, leisure time, or it's very much. It's very much designed to take up your time, right? Even like technology, technologically speaking, there's just so much that there's just so much to get to get into. I mean, there's people. I think we've discussed this in the past, but there's people that I know that you know when it's when the shows are in season that they're following a good ten plus shows all at once. And for me, I'm like, I have no idea, like. That's your life. I have no idea how they follow along with so many, so many shows. There's just so much content out there, you know. Well, what I would say is their life must be boring <laughs> and very uninteresting. That's uninteresting, <laughs> unless they listen to Gabriel and Lee at, at the, the crossroads. crossroads. Unless they do that, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Listen to this all all day. <laughs> Don't. Listen to your wife. Don't no. wash the dishes. Just listen to us. But yeah, that that can definitely take over your life if we're you know if we're not careful. We can be consumed not. by what we're consuming. Right. That's kind of a scary thought, but yes, that's it's definitely it. It's like uh, the longer you look into the dark abyss, the sooner you realize it's looking back at you. Mm. Sometimes, yeah. Is what is how I'm I'm visualizing this idea that what is it called uh, that book amusing ourselves to death? Hmm. It's on mine. Um, this is a, a confession. I have a whole list on Amazon, and I do purchase books from Amazon. I apologize to all the workers. Although you apologize to all the small business owners that all those that have a bookstore. Owners. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Unless you guys want to, you know, hit us up and let us know what why we should go and purchase from you let us know you know give us a little discount or something it's all good (laughs) yeah it's really interesting right that this the way we've set this up is that we can be entertained we can be provided content information well that's that's the idea right like we're you're never going to run out of YouTube recommendations you're never going to run out of books that you want to read that's just 
that's just how it is. I mean, you know, especially if you have a proclivity for for learning, you know, for discovery. You know, there's always going to be that that drive or that desire to, like you said, jump into the abyss. It's not too bad. The water's warm. (laughs) The water's warm. (laughs) No, yeah, I mean, it's interesting when, actually we were talking about, I was talking about earlier today, you know, I asked some people that, I asked some people, would you be able to live your life without a smartphone and just simply had a flip phone or maybe even uh, just, you know, a landline okay. at home? Okay, I thought about that recently, and the answer is yes, because we used to do that. Most of our lives. Well, for like 99% of all of humanity. Have you, have you seen the remake of Red Dawn with... Uh, Chris Hemsworth? No, I don't think I have. Have you seen the original Red Dawn from the 80s? Maybe. That's the one where um, the Russians, the Soviets invade the U.S. Oh, the one where Trump is a Russian asset? Uh, no, that's the, that's the sequel. <laughs> no, but Red Dawn, um, it, I'm not going to give anything away because these movies are old and they've been around for a while. But essentially, the in the in the remake version with Thor, I think it's Thor. I don't think it's his brother. I think it's Thor. The guy that plays Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, essentially, the North Koreans invade America, and they have this this uh, this weapon, electrical. It says like an electrical pulse or what have you, and it shut. It completely shuts down the electrical grid. Of the entire U.S. and that's how they're able to invade. I don't know why you said having no smartphones and oh yeah yeah so. I mean, could happen. It's a scary thought. I mean, they talk about it all the time, Cause we, right? Because we, we didn't we cover that when you saw you said you recently saw um, the Book of Eli. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and it was like so, or some kind of disaster, or maybe like a nuclear strike. Something to that reestablish, reestablish uh, society. Oh, boy! Something's happening. So yeah, we we've always just. It's funny, like we've had, like you said, te- this technology. We've had this form of normalcy or routine what have you but then again I mean that could totally it's so the whole system is so fragile that it could just be undone you know just think of like a natural disaster and you know your cell phone service is down and how how would we be able to communicate effectively we would we would not be able to communicate the same way we are now. Yeah. So, I think our listeners, all one of them, 
Well, wonder how do we get here? From obedience to faith to discussing a technological disaster or how we how we've grown accustomed to certain things. Yeah. Well, we were saying at least a part of what we were saying was the establishment of society, of family, mm-hmm. the the family dynamics, and how that can get complicated, and how we dip into we dip into the unknown when we negate wisdom. In other words. In some aspects, obedience to faith is the trust or the assurance that what's set before you, like we, I was saying about those steps of the righteous man are ordered. So it's engaging in life or in things with the understanding that there's already order in things. There's a there's already a if we have respect if we have enough respect for for history for I guess in some aspects tradition that whatever's gonna whatever we follow that whatever comes that the result of that or whatever is gonna come out of that will be a much richer conclusion hmm. maybe sometimes easier like you said we're not we're not going to negate or avoid suffering. That's always, that's always a part of, that's always in the deck of cards, but I guess, yeah, talking about playing cards, I guess you're going to be held, you're going to be held with the, you're going to be holding a better hand. If you abide by truth, if you abide by wisdom with how you go about making your life choices, their life's decisions made even the major to small, you're going to have uh, uh, less of a troublesome impact when we do abide by f- by faith, when we do abide in tr- truth and in wisdom and understanding. Okay. Now the parallel, I think, with the discussion around technology and being inundated by so much just noise is that it makes it difficult for us to do just that. Absolutely, yeah. Our lives become so much more complicated and and mangled with so much distraction and nonsense and. I yeah, I just I just heard that today w- listening to Chuck Smith, and it was a sermon from I believe it was the nineties, mid nineties, and he's talking about how he's he something to the effect of in in the modern times it's so hard to be to abide by and to listen to the the word of god or to listen to to be sensitive i should say to the holy spirit mm-hmm. and because we're so bombarded by so many things you know life is is a rat race and there's so many things to take care of and do and then this is like from 1995 so you can imagine nothing nothing's changed if you not know, if anything it's 25 years later yeah what that's like nearly 25 years later what that's like and, and like you say we're so we're so caught up with technology with with the intrusiveness that is the internet there's really no way around it 
I mean, that's what this whole discussion around fake news is and, you know, misinformation and um, especially when you talk about social media and what sort of information is shared on, on these various places, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and then you have all these, you know, uh, what do they call them? Those robot accounts. The bots. The bots. And then you have these concerted efforts but, to confuse. And, I mean, like. Right. Yeah, like I know. I know we see it as a problem today, but that's but how, how is that any different from back in the day when it was like the idea was like, oh, you don't want to get a TV in your home because TVs are going to take up so much of your time and they're going to use TVs to doctrinate your kids and. You know, and before that, it was, oh, don't get a radio because the radio is going to ruin your life and you're going to be stuck to the radio. And it's terrible. And then before that, you think of like newspapers or magazines, print, right? It was like, oh, well, you know, you're going to read the whole newspaper. Like you're going to waste so much time reading the newspaper. And yeah, I, I, it, it reminds me or it brings up what like literacy the the what i'm thinking about like literacy and reading and how you know you have someone that's able to provide that information to others to disseminate it you know especially like the book of eli right the guy that was running the town wanted the book and he was the only one that was literate mm. and so he was able to or his his goal was to get the bible read it read the words to the the city or the community so that way you can basically control them. Right. So it was in... So I think the moral of that story is in that specific instances or that specific example is when one person holds the information and is able to share that amongst others and almost as if like they're the originator of that and are able to kind of move the needle in whatever direction they decided to, to go. And, you know, all the people that are listening, all they're left with is to just listen to that voice Mm -hmm. rather than knowing that they themselves can be the interpreter of the voice. Of, of truth of knowing that they, they can on their own live with access to that information essentially are you saying that information is power am I saying that Gabriel Gabriel are you saying that <laughs> I think so I think I am okay <laughs> information is absolutely power That's, I, I got that from the office in Dwight he says that at some point oh man did I ruin it no, no, it's just, sorry, it's just a little bit that came to mind. Um, Shout out to all the Office fans. The Office. I'm not superstitious, I'm just a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I think, I think with the idea of modern society and having so much information and so much information ready, readily available. Because I do think of going back to what Pastor Chuck was saying from that old sermon. 
it, it makes sense why, especially in the in the West, first world countries, I guess, why there's less of a desire or there's less of a inclination towards towards God, towards faith, towards towards having uh, some kind of reverence or or acknowledgement of a creator. I mean, I don't know what the statistics are like around the world or in terms of uh, class, economic or um, cultural, but I would imagine that there's a higher sense of there's a higher sense of of uh, belief a higher sense of faith, higher sense of, I guess, tradition. I don't know, but there's a higher sense of, uh, or, uh, inclination towards God with, with, uh, poor classes or poor impoverished. Yeah. I would imagine because it takes up a lot more. It would require a lot more, Faith, a lot more hope, a lot more those elements of humanity, human emotion. Well, yeah, it, it, her. I guess you could say reiterating or, or bringing back up what we discussed last time about how technology. Did we talk about this? That technology makes us believe that we can control our environment. It gives us a better yeah. It gives us a better see, sense of this? control. I don't think so. Maybe we studied we studied that during book club. So but yeah, that, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, the more technology I have, the more understanding I have about the sciences and how, how things work. The less concern I have over my troubles, so to speak. I mean, you think about cities and all the access that we have to food. You know, those that have access to the food and we have shelter for those who have access to shelter and we have transportation for those who have access to transportation. We have running water for those who have access. We have electricity. We have heating and we have gas and we have so much to be grateful for, first of all. But second of all, we have so much kind of comfort knowing that we don't have to go out and fend for ourselves, go get food. We don't have to create fire. We don't have to, you know, fear for being out in the elements or some of the things that we've dealt with before. But also, I think in some way, I think we want that and we want that back in a way. In some sense. You're saying we want to do away with the convenience? I think so. Of modern life? If you think about everything that's being discussed, you know, here in the U.S. and worldwide around population and climate and, you know, what foods we should be eating, you know, animal versus fruits and vegetables and plants. When you think about 
you know, the Burning Man and you think about all these outdoor activities that people are participating in and you see in certain areas that people are going into freezing water and you see you see all these individuals trying to get back to what I would say like our roots what it is that that makes us human or or what fulfills our humanity in a sense you know getting back to nature and and there's this I don't know that was kind of I was just kind of a stream of consciousness there but I think there's there's a reason why I think we are we're seeing the conversation where it is now I think we're we're trying to we're trying to get a yeah, I feel like we are trying to rid ourselves of the convenience of of modernity in its current at its current development to to the point where we're willing to find almost seemingly meaningless issues or conflicts just to kind of you know switch it up from our day to day. Right, so you think you think there's something to the idea of becoming one with nature, or like you said, getting back to our roots? Because I, at least for me, yeah, whenever whenever I go camping or hiking or do any kind of activity, spend extended amount of time outside, there, like you said, there is that familiarity. There is that element of belonging or like we were talking in in a bible study about the sabbath and rest right where yeah. where for me anyway and i'm sure that for others as well that that aspect of observing nature enjoying nature um of getting involved with nature and uh, whatever degree or whatever activity that you might partake of that doing that really it's a helpful reminder right if you were to go camping somewhere and there's no for example there's no cell phone reception and you're going to be there for at least two days two or three days you might suffer a little bit in the beginning not being able to get any messages not not being able to check in but after a while, eventually, you're going to get used to you're going to build a new routine. You're going to build a new, new habits, so to speak, for that for that amount of time. Where that's going to become your new normal, and you're going to realize at some point it might maybe painfully, maybe not, but you're going to realize how much you don't need your phone, how much you don't need you know modern technology, how much you don't need the internet to to live. To, to live, not just to live, but to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the crazy, that's the crazy part. Where it's like, you could be at Yosemite, standing in front of El Capitan, and instead of embracing the site, you're fixated on your phone because you want to take a picture of El Capitan. But El again, Capitan. you're you're there. It's right in front of you. It's like everyone at the concert. With their iPhone, look at the screen. 
Right. It's like, dude, just enjoy the moment. Just be there. It's like they want everyone to see what they're saying. Isn't that funny how... Isn't that funny how tech... Oh, it's nice to see it. Right. No, but in that aspect, how tech has turned everyone into a professional photographer. Um, An influencer. That's influencer. The one I, that's the one I like seeing on people's profiles. Sometimes yeah. it's like... What is an influencer? Who said this? <laughs> Who let them? Who let them? It's funny when you said uh, Yosemite, I was thinking. Yosemite Sam? No, I was thinking, yo, Samity. Like, someone's name is Samity. Like, yo, Samity. Yosemite. Yo, <laughs> I'm so lame, I know. It's okay. No, no, I, the one I've heard, I haven't heard that one. I've heard just uh, Yosemite. Yosemite. Like, why do they call it Yosemite? Why isn't it Yosemite? I don't know, another dad joke, but anywho. Yeah, isn't that sad, though, if if you think about how much beauty there is out there and we're almost wasting it away. We're numb. We're, yeah. Completely numb to it. It's, it's, it's over, we're overly distracted. And I mean, we're all guilty to this to, to an extent. All, yeah, yeah, we're all guilty of it. And of course, would I love to be out Doors more often, yeah. Speaking of of the outdoors and not embracing the beauty that is nature, have you by chance driven up the fifty five freeway in the last four days? Like right after it rained. Oh, dude, you should have. I yes. should have posted it. Did you notice anything during the day? Did you notice anything? No. You didn't notice that the San Gabriel Mountains were covered. Oh, the snow, the snow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, completely um, covered. On Saturday, Monica and I went up towards um, Palm Springs, uh-huh. and we, yeah, we went and it was it was beautiful. We were over um, an hour out, so probably like another however many, maybe like another forty five minutes to Palm Springs. Yeah, it was gorgeous. All those it was like powdered. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. We're, we're we're really like impressed. Like even, like even that. I mean, it's for me anyway. It's just a healthy reminder of how how insignificant we are, and how how vast God's beauty is and mm-hmm. creation, and how it's like. Oh yeah, we don't really stop. We really don't stop to smell the roses. Or we don't pet a cat when we see one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it's it's it goes to the point of, you know, it's it's it, what matters are the little things in life. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, the in those small moments or what have you. It's it's almost like in these yeah, like in almost in these seemingly unimportant moments that you find so much wealth or so much beauty or value that we sometimes overlook it and realize, oh wow, you know, it was like a missed opportunity to really appreciate what was happening or where you were. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost hard to turn the turn back the tables, I guess, or switch that. I'm sure it wouldn't be that difficult. If you think about it, if we had less of what we had now, 
you know, we don't have all these streaming services and we don't have so much information well, and all that. Like, it wouldn't well, be that difficult. Well, I think, I think it, I think it goes into, I think it goes into just having an understanding of, of our limitations and our weaknesses, maybe even our, um, Okay, we were talking about boundaries earlier, right? And I remember at one point, I remember one point I worked at, uh, like I worked during doing deliveries, and one of my coworkers, he was a older gentleman, cancer survivor, and he just told me that having survived cancer completely changed his outlook on life and that he wanted to enjoy life and he was semi-retired and uh yeah he he just had this newfound appreciation for life and he was very grateful for life and I remember him telling me about his cell phone use usage and how he would how he went about his cell phone and he told me look when I need to drive somewhere whether it doesn't matter if it's a store or it's to visit somebody he told me I leave the, my phone in the car he's like I don't take it with me to get when I get off the car he's like because I want to be the boss the, I don't want my phone to be the boss of me I want to be the boss and that that's always like stuck with me like okay like this guy gets it he gets that phones can be very I'm guilty of not completely abiding by that wisdom, but, um, don't ask grace, but, uh, yeah, just the idea of, again, being the boss of your own time, your own, you know, your own attention, like, it really just, it made sense of why, why he had that perspective, because of, you know, he almost died, you know, he got sick, he almost died, and now he was just trying to live life you know, enjoying, enjoying every day, enjoying every moment. And yeah, I think, especially now, this was like 2006, 2005 when I worked with him. Something like that. Yeah. But that was, that was way back when. And he already had, he already, his name is Robert. Shout out to Robert. He already had that, that idea in mind. It's funny because you said he was semi-retired. So I, like you said, he was an older gentleman. Yeah. But yet he, you know, was able to see the downside. Right. What I'm what I'm saying there is that he had limited experience with this technology, but yet understood what it was doing. The influence. Yeah. Just almost immediately. And was like, nope, right. I don't want to. Especially not, after that. Did not want to be consumed by it. Mm-hmm crazy it's it I, I i don't think i've ever heard anyone say that but now i'm like huh i just hope no one finds out what car i have because then <laughs> find some broken windows <laughs> broken windows yeah don't do that please but yeah i think it just again going going back to faith or the journey of faith and how how obedience is going to be the means to living a life of purpose, living a life 
that has meaning because I I think of for example uh, with Abraham and how, why Abraham's called the father of faith and how you're mentioning the voice and how he heard a voice telling him to leave everything he knew leave that all behind so leave your family leave your country leave your comforts leave hide your kids hide your kids hide your, hide your wife no but to leave leave these things and and um take this journey of faith I mean at that point he didn't have his kids he didn't have any kids yet he didn't you know I don't doesn't we don't know if he was already wealthy or not I'm assuming that he wasn't because it's he's it says that he he wanted his wealth to come from God not from anybody else after the his interaction with the kings yeah, yeah and him him tithing with Melchizedek but I, I think of I think of Abraham and you're saying his obedience to faith was it was a process and it was him letting go of his own understanding to take to take this journey into faith because uh, we were discussing the whole idea of obedience to faith and I thought okay well I want an example if I can get an example of this obedience to faith and what what came to mind was was Jonah yeah and, and Jonah Jonah mentioning you know his reasons for not going to Nineveh the reasons his reasons for not wanting to preach to them to to see them go through the repentance process and and undoing undoing the wrongs you know for the rights that come with like again going back to wisdom going back to um things that God has already instituted. He didn't want his enemies to be a part of that. So I, it was such a struggle for him to, to actually get there. Mm-hmm. But it does say that it's mentioned that he says, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. Like he didn't want his enemies to partake of God's rich riches, the riches of God, his goodness, where it's like he had faith. But it was applied very Limit, limited right he he just because of his lack of love for his neighbor or lack of love for fellow man he did not and knowing he knowing that god was good enough to forgive to restore people he didn't want anything to do with that that's why he kept running away from what he was called to do now we have the story of um Jonah and the whale. Right. Which is a seemingly a story about someone yeah, not being obedient. Denying truth. Denying truth. Being submerged in the chaos of water and being eaten by a whale mm-hmm. for three days and then Coming right out and then going right where he needs to go. Deciding after that. Mm-hmm. I better listen. I don't want to get eaten by whale again. <laughs> I want to eat salmon. I don't want salmon. I don't want to I don't be salmon food. <laughs> I think that's I, I think that's so cool. In, in light of reading Jung. In understanding 
the way that again what we talked about last time was this idea of the unconscious and how there was something he was unconscious about or rather he was denying the truth like you were saying to be shown to him in his un- it was his unconscious m- which was played out in this submerging in, in the water and the, being eaten by the well and then coming out and, and him bringing that information that he that was provided to him in, in the well and what have you and then bringing that with him and then now it's like he's anew with that integrated into him to continue on his journey to live out what God was telling him to do originally from the beginning Mm-hmm. So it's almost as though he was not complete. Right. I think that's what we're saying is that he wasn't his full self, if you want to say it that way. He wasn't that, li- living up to potential, maybe? Yeah, he wasn't living up to his There you go. He wasn't living up to his potential. And I think that's a good way to describe faith as well. Because, you know, it says that faith is the evidence of things unseen. And then it also goes into how without faith, it is impossible to please him. And we know that faith essentially requires action. It requires you to partake of willingly and voluntarily what you're voluntarily seeing, hearing. And that's going to determine, that's going to determine your path, so to speak, your willingness to abide by what you're hearing, by what you're, you're seeing whether that's in the word of God, whether that's in going back to, to the structure of marriage, the people, how people pursue marriage and whether or not they're going to include their parents, for example, they're going to include their family within that process. You know, like you said, the, the, sometimes it's, it's consciously done. Sometimes it's subconsciously done, but the wisdom in that would be, Hey, your parents and your siblings, whether or not, whether or not you like them or agree with them or what have you, there's going to come a, a, a point in your life where you're going to make these major decisions like joining, joining, uh, in matrimony with somebody for the rest of your life. At least that's the idea, right? But there's, there's something to the effect of, of, listening to wisdom or allowing wisdom to come into your life because hey your siblings and your parents they've seen most of your sides hopefully right if you if you have a healthy relationship they've seen your ups and downs they know how you react to certain things they know your strengths they know your weaknesses they're able to see the blind spots that you don't see so that when you're in this process of marriage and like I said, in a healthy manner, you're including them in the process. You're also giving them the opportunity to speak. You know, like we're, we're, um, we're just talking about Jordan Peterson and how he says to, to speak with, what's rule 10? Speak with precision. Speak oh, yeah. precisely. Be, be precise in your speech. Be precise in your speech so that, again, whether or not you agree with your parents, whether or not you think they're old fashioned, whether or not you think they're, even if you think they're the, one of the most dysfunctional people ever, because a lot of us think that from time to time about our parents, you know. No, I never did. No. 
But I'm saying like there's there's definitely there's a reason why they're your parents. There's a there's still there's still a like spiritually speaking, I guess. There's a higher hierarchy there. There's a uh, an order of authority where, like I said, they that your parents, your siblings, people that are close to you, people that know you, they're going to provide that insight. Especially if they've already done, been there, done that. They've there's a lot to glean from that because, again, you're you're blind because you're in love. You're blind of so many things. You have so many blind spots but you know with them their emotions are going to be somewhat detached unlike your your own they could be objective about it to for the most part yeah i mean i'm sure there's instances where it's not the case but they're gonna be a little bit more biased towards you but even yeah but even um even in that aspect i think it's it's worth for people that are seeking sorry seeking marriage that is, that is worth I'll cut that out that is worth a considerate worth considering yeah you know allowing yourself to hear hear them out but anyhow did you do that Lee? uh not always until but up until the last time I went through that process yes it's always a little and an, I guess it's like annoying I don't know if that's the right word but it's like like you don't want to hear it because it's probably true absolutely yeah and you're just like I don't want to hear that right now that's definitely true I think I'm right I think this is it it's very inconvenient when you tell very me the truth yeah. when I don't want to yet deal with it or process it yeah. and then afterwards you realize oh well you were right and I was wrong and Yaddy, yaddy, don't yaddy. just don't tell me that I'm stubborn. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would advise against that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think for me, I guess in my opinion, coming a kid coming from coming from my background of, like I mentioned to you earlier about about my parents and whatnot. Um, there's definitely a lot more, at least when my process of of uh, seeking marriage. There was definitely a lot more to consider, just because of the reality of the th- of the idea of my parents. Like I mentioned to you earlier, that my dad's looking for wife number four. So, you know, behind door number four. Uh, <laughs> you know, say I had to accept that. You know, as as crazy as that sounds to me, that I had the potential to create that same that same life pattern. Mm. Kind of so. live that out. Right, because that's already that's where I come from. Yeah, there's no I can't just be like no, I'm denying that, reject it. There's no way I could ever do that. I mean, that's that's just lying to myself. If I were to truly believe that, Jonah in the water with the whale. Right, in in the whale. Right. So, so in that aspect, I have had a really, really, um, and more than likely, by you, anyone deciding not to face that reality that truth more than likely that's going to play out in your life as much as I try to avoid it as much yeah. as I try to not What's deny that story it about the woman gives birth the child's gonna something and then they end up she he ends up killing his mom 
when she like got rid of him and sent him away but then he ended up coming back and killing her I think that's something like that do you know what I'm talking about like a Greek or some old uh, story yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Greek mythology I'm forgetting the names but yes essentially but point being yeah it's like yeah do you know it yeah I know the story I just can't remember the names right, right now but that I think that goes in line with Freud yeah. Freud's philosophy yeah I think so yeah I'm sure that influenced some I'm of sure that. we're gonna get corrected on this but yep you don't know fake news what can we say yeah so yeah I, I think that's I think that's certainly important to point out because I've I've have had to come to terms with that as well mm-hmm. in terms of facing the reality of our parents of my parents and knowing how do I not play out those same dynamics if you will or those same errors in judgment and that and that idea goes to what I was saying earlier in the in the show how the wise man learns from the mistakes of others yes I didn't do that necessarily the first time <laughs> excuse me uh, but you know I, I do you think okay in 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 light of that do you think it's do you think it's easier to learn from your mistakes than it is to learn from others' mistakes? Not necessarily. It just, it just, I think it goes hand in hand with not appearing wise in your own eyes. One thing. To, to, you also have to be humble. You also have to have a humble approach to what you're saying. And I think it's a, it also goes hand in hand with, are you willing to look, like you said, look into the abyss? Are you willing to look into what it actually is and acknowledge what it is? Like, for example, um, I was just talking about be precise in your speech. Uh, I'm at the tail end of that chapter with 12 rules and Jordan highlights the the story of the, the, the dragon and the little boy and how... Oh yes. The what's the name of that story? Dragons aren't real, or dragons don't exist. So, so this is yeah. This, so this is Jordan B. Peterson. He was a clinical psychologist. He has uh, this video up on YouTube he's regarding the story. On YouTube. He's, yeah, but it's, so essentially, the the one day a little boy is in his home, and he sees a small dragon, and he doesn't know what it is, and he goes in and asks his mom, "Hey, I think I see a dragon." In my room, I don't know what it is, why it's there. And the mom tells him dragons don't exist. And so each time that the little boy tries to give his mom the understanding or convey the message, I should say, the dragon keeps growing and growing. And the mom is ignoring the dragon. The dragon, I think at some point, the dragon gets so big that his limbs, the arms and legs are arms, but the legs and the wings are sticking out of the doors and the windows. And the mom has to climb through the win- some of the other windows, the doors that aren't blocked, in order to vacuum the house. And ultimately, the dragon gets to the size where it's able to walk away with the home still intact. And the dad shows up, and the dad has to go and find them. And it, it takes the the discussion between the mom and the dad 
to where finally, you know, when the once the mom acknowledges the dragon, then the dragon shrieks. It shrinks back down to its original size from the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. And with with there with that story, the analogy uh, Peterson saying how we all have problems, we all have issues in our lives. The more we ignore them, the more we deny their existence, the bigger they're going to get. And they're going to get to the size where it's going to completely affect us with every aspect of our lives. And we're going to be caught off guard and we're going to be, it's going to be at its strongest, at its strongest point. And at the same time, we're going to be at our, at our weakest point and we're all, and we will be defeated in that when that time comes, when everything comes to head, that we will be defeated and it will hit you a lot harder than what was intended. We won't win out like David versus Goliath. Right. Because David willingly went out to fight and battle right. the giant. They were looking for volunteers and nobody nobody raised their hand to read the chapter. With a little bah, rock slingshot thing. Yeah. A temple, right? Or between the eyes? I think it was between the eyes. Knocked him out. He had all kinds of armor too, didn't he? Yep. So that's that's being precise in your aim. No different than being precise in your speech. Having purpose. Knowing where you're where you're gonna hit the mark. Mm-hmm. And doing it over and over and over again so that you get better and better and better. Again, going right. back to the process. Right. That's beautiful. Wow. How do we get here? How did this happen? What do you tell me? It just, it just happens, man. Gosh. I love when this stuff really just, you know, clicks. Comes together. Yeah. It's beautiful. What were we saying before that? Before yeah, the story knows? the story of the dragon? Yeah, the story of the dragon. <laughs> and and how, you know, there are there are realities of our lives that we can choose to ignore or or think don't exist and yet here they come, the dragon. Takes over your house, leaves with it. And you're playing out the same stories that your parents and maybe grandparents and generations back are 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 dealing or have dealt with, and that you you are battling those same battles, and it, it's a matter of deciding whether or not you're gonna stand and gird up your loins. Would you would you say that if you had to define? obedience to faith would you say that a big chunk of it entails self-denial or self self uh yeah i guess deny thyself yeah certainly so yes and i think i think in in thinking about this idea of denying thyself it's really a matter of what you like like you said in the beginning at the top about deni- uh, about not about n- not leaning on your own understanding I think I, I think those go hand in hand in the sense that you don't know it all you're you're not complete you know God's telling you to go and preach to your enemies but you're you're submerged in, in down in the water in, in the whale you know he, he didn't want to deny his own um, emotional attachment to this pride. His pride. He was so attached to the pride, his his own pride, that he was 
not being self-critical himself. Right, because that right, okay, be that that aspect of being self-critical, because that goes into um, biblical understanding of do not judge lest ye be judged, and a lot of people take that to mean like Tupac, only God can judge me, but that's not what that means. It doesn't mean that you you can't or you shouldn't judge people, you shouldn't judge others, but what it's saying is. You should be prepared to examine and analyze others and to be able to speak the truth in love. But it's going to be a lot easier to right. It's going to be a lot easier to see the speck in your neighbor's eye or your brother's eye if you've removed the log out of your eye, your own eye first, meaning you've probably had it harder or tougher than they have. And if you've been able to go through that process You've been able to repent. You've been able to, you know, come to uh, uh, come to a place of obedience. In this case, obedience to faith, understanding, submitting yourself, humbling yourself. Then you are going to be able to examine your brother. You are going to be able to examine your neighbor, and and inform them or counsel them in a loving, non-judgmental way. At least that's one. That's one aspect of judge not, lest ye be judged. Because either way, you are going to be. If you once you judge, you 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 get in, like what we're doing right now with this podcast. We're jumping into the into the fray, so to speak. We're jumping into the forum to be judged on what we're saying and what we're doing. Right. At some point, I think that'll be under the microscope. And hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Like that's being put under the microscope. So, with that in mind, like there, yeah, there is, there is a sense of responsibility. There's a sense of duty to what we're doing. We're not just, not just preaching, but we're practicing what we're preaching. Practice what you preach. Yeah. Don't don't preach the choir. <laughs> Hopefully not. Right? Unless they need to be preached to. Unless yeah, unless they're doing some. Some things that they shouldn't be doing. They're being shady. I think in, in in kind of tying this all together, what we're really hoping for and, and, and what we're trying to accomplish in in this episode and in this, in this podcast, generally speaking, is in living out this life of obedience of faith or to faith willingly live in God's design the way it was instituted from the beginning of time is is to hopefully unravel but also lay out unravel some of the wrongs but also lay out a path that can get us to a place where we can take out the log out of our eye and, and counsel one another and, and build each other up in, in mutual edification by, I mean, one is, is bring our, our, ourselves in, in this podcast is, you know, there, there are things for us to discuss that bring us into it, the fray. Mm-hmm. And then mixing that with God's truth. 
or allowing ourselves to be molded yes. by God's truth or allowing ourselves to be yeah to be open to God's truth and allowing us to I want to say having the courage to abide by God's truth because that's a that's also a component to faith it's a, it's a component to obedience where you're allowing yourself to to I don't want to say swayed but you're allowing yourself to make your your next decisions that follow under that premise of allowing God's truth, allowing God's wisdom, allowing God's love and grace to to partake of our lives cuz I thought when you said that I thought of um I thought of Lot's wife hmm. and how they were instructed to leave the city by the angels and not to look back. They were they were warned, they were instructed not to do so and and that goes into the story of Lot's wife where the understanding is that she looked back because that's where her heart was because you know it says where your heart is there where you'll there will your treasure be also so that was something that they were in the process of escaping the disaster the chaos the destruction of the city and then she couldn't let it go. When the time came, she couldn't. She she had to look back. Her is, focus was still back there. Is that <clears throat> is that the same, or is that a conversation around like circumcision of the heart? That has yeah, it has something to do with it because the circumcision of the heart is going to entail repentance. But it also entails that you are now you are now abiding by the the wisdom, the truth, and the understanding that comes with having met God, having an experience with God, having God's truth in your life, and denying yourself, in that and moment. denying yourself, right? And in 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 this instance, denying her heart, her own desires. Well, her, yeah, her desire was still within that city. And I think, or it could be, I guess one way to look at it was because her heart was still fixed, uh, fixed on the city. Perhaps she was looking back as a, as a way to not because that's well, that's not what she desired, but she was also in mourning for what was going on to the city and what the city, what the city symbolized, what it, what it meant to her. Yeah. Interesting. It is. Would you say she was disobedient? Well, they were told not to look back. And she looked back. So, yes, oh, yes. she was being disobedient. Is that the safe answer? Yeah. Hmm. What do you think? Well,. Going back to obedience, I th- I think if I can connect that to obedience to faith, again going back to Abraham and how he was called to do certain things, and it says that because of his because of his faith, his faith was credited as righteousness. So even when he wasn't obedient mere fact that he was obedient from the 
he said yes from the beginning and his journey in faith was a process right because he had to learn the same lesson sometimes twice but eventually it all came to a head for him when he was instructed to sacrifice Isaac and it got to the point where as we read in excuse me as we read in the New Testament how he he had enough trust or enough understanding he, his relationship with God got to the point where he believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead so even though the idea the thought of sacrificing his own son run it ran counter to what he knew of God it ran counter to logic so to speak his own understanding he still put God's word first he still had the the wherewithal I guess or the the wisdom to understand that what God was instructing to do was what he was being called to do because before you know there were there were smaller tests to pass first that he didn't always pass now he was at his biggest test in life and it wasn't until that that test or that portion where I think he had a, a richer like you're talking about richness and truths in God I think at that point is when he really he really experienced God at at, at the fullness of faith or at the fullness of Understanding and wisdom. What I was hearing in that is the difference between Adam and Jesus. Mm-hmm. It says as though Abraham's early life was Abraham and then his later life was the archetype of Jesus. How so? In the sense that a sacrifice had to be made. Mm-hmm. And it was it was Abraham's son that was needing to be sacrificed. So in the same way that God sacrificed his son, I'm just thinking like Abraham's path took him to that point. And I think, yeah, and I think that... That might be a little confusing, but... No, it's not, because at some point those of us that are abiding in faith are abiding in God are saying that we're claiming publicly openly that Jesus died for my sins that everything that entails at some point or another we're going to be tested at some point or another we're going to be we're going to be put through the fire to see if what we're to see what we're made out of essentially is this based on is is our foundation is it is it set upon the sand or is it set upon the rocks there's no way of knowing until the storm comes there's no way of knowing until you're actually put through the ringer you're put through the fire and seeing what you're what that's made out of we're going to be able to see if we're in it for the right reasons or not you know, that's that's one way of looking at it. Sounds sounds like a reality of life. Well, like you were saying earlier, we, there there's always going to be suffering. Yeah, 
whether you're in faith or not, you know, the storm is going to come. So it's a matter of, are you alive in that reality or are you asleep? That's the question, right? Yeah. That's the question we all have to ask ourselves. Yes. And every day we answer that question. Every day is a test, my friend. Every day. It's pop quiz time. Here we go. Here you go. Cool. What do you how do you feel about that one? It was a lot. It was a lot to get through and break down. More than I thought, but um Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to it. And going back to societal societal woes we're obviously going to see it more and more as time goes on as far as I like I like how you put it separating the wheat from the chaff or the separation of the sheep and the goat and the goats um there's definitely going to come a time I mean it's already here in the, in some in some countries already in the world as far as uh persecution is concerned but yeah, I, I would imagine that it's only going to get worse, you know, with the proclamation of faith is going to be actually not as easy as it is today. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's paying attention can see it. Right. So, I think we'll leave it at that. Oh, I don't know if I want <laughs> I don't know if I want to leave it it's such a cliffhanger. Such a low note. No, but I think it's in those it's in that reality too, I guess, cuz it the reality of Christianity is that the early church also also suffered, also had to endure a lot of persecution. But it's within that frame of mind or it's in that context that um we you see the the pouring of the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you see the works of the Holy Spirit even stronger when when the time when the time comes. There is hope. Yes. There is a way out in quotes. There's right, because yeah, like Paul said, to to be what did he say? To be in the body is to be separated from God. So to be out of the body is to be with God. I know I'm botching that, but abide in him and he will abide in you. That is Jesus talking about the word. My word as you know, but there's a portion where Paul is talking about how to be in the spirit or to, no. To be in the body is to be away from God or to not be with God. But to be out out of the body is to be with He's talking about life and death and how Oh okay. Oh being alive in the flesh, alive in the body is separation from God. It's not until we we pass from this life to the next where we can be fully fully with God. Fully connected to. Yeah. But let, yeah, let's be as as connected as we can be, as uh, you know, filled with the spirit as we can be. 
every as much day. as we can. Yeah, it's it's with purpose, with intent. Yep, all that. It's our <laughs> it's our best bet. Right. Not even that, really. It's it's how we were designed to live our life. Correct. How Adam and Eve walked. It says it. They they walked in the garden with God. Yeah. They could hear his footsteps in the garden. So we we need to be able to hear. And Have see. eyes to see and ears to hear. Mm-hmm. And you'll start to see what that looks like and feels like in your everyday life. Amen. All right. That wraps it up. This was fun. Episode number 10. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Me too. Like usual, we have new episodes every up uh, out, out, uploaded every Monday. Like, share, subscribe. Let us know what you think in the comment section below. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again soon. Good night, everybody. Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California, at the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee.